Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of An Evening in the Odds. My name is Kay. I just finished um, Britney Spears's book, The Woman and Me. I pre-ordered it on Amazon. It came um, on Tuesday and I read it all in one night. It's a very short book, but and I feel like she could have gone deeper into some topics. But overall, this is like one of my favorite um, celebrity memoirs. So I highly recommend it if anyone wants like kind of an easy read, but also if you're really curious about um, her perspective on things and like her life, like it's really short. So, you know, you can fly through it and doesn't get like all the details that you want, but I think you should buy it. You should like check it out from the library. But if you don't, I, there's this episode that you can listen to where I just wrote down in my notes app, like all of the things that stuck out to me. I also took pictures of certain pages and I'll read from those that were really interesting and had juicy things. In the very beginning of the book, she does go back to how she grew up when like where she grew up and how she got her start. Um, she's from Kentwood, Louisiana. And I guess that's a really small town in rural Louisiana. Only has like a few thousand people there. Um, her parents had a rocky marriage. They got married very young, but it wasn't a very like happy marriage. Um, they had her older brother, Brian, and her dad would always be like in and out of jobs. And it was kind of confusing because it sounded like sometimes he'd have like his own construction business and be doing really well. And then other times, like they're really, really poor. And, and her parents were always fighting. And then they had... Um, Britney and then I don't think Jamie Lynn like I think she's way younger than Britney Spears like she was kind of she was like a later baby for them so it's really just Britney and her brother for a while and she did get along with him for a long time um but yeah so Britney talks about also like her parents and how they grew up and kind of just how like not screwed up their family was but just how many like sad things happened and like um like one thing I wrote down is that um, so her Brittany's parents are Jamie and Lynn, which is funny because her little sister is Jamie Lynn. But Jamie's uh, mom was abused by um, Jamie's dad, so her husband. Um, they had lost a baby boy, I believe, um, early in their marriage. And um, eventually her husband sent her to the mental hospital and she was actually put on lithium, which is interesting because... Brittany was also put on lithium later on in her conservatorship. And that's like a very like no one does that anymore. Um, and then she actually ended up committing suicide and it was on the grave of her um, that baby that she lost. And that same uh, Jamie's dad, he got married to two other women besides um, Jamie's mom. Um, Brittany does mention that her grandpa um, had like abused her I guess it'd be her dad's half-sister but then Brittany says that like her grandpa was nothing but like good to her and like really nice like he kind of mellowed out um as he got older so she that was kind of and also like uh her dad was an alcoholic um I don't remember if she said her grandpa was I but like you know so she just had her dad already had like kind of a hard upbringing hard life and then he also was an alcoholic um, her mom had an interesting backstory as well. Um, her mom's grandma was from London, actually. And then she um, married a guy who took her back to Louisiana. And for the rest of her life, uh, she missed London. She never was allowed back um, because her husband thought that if she went back, she wouldn't come back to Louisiana. So she just always had like Brittany kind of says like she's always vacant like she just was always like I don't know just kind of sad like she just missed out on um that life and like the city and just didn't really have maybe the freedom that she wanted to go wherever she wanted to go which again I think Brittany's writing this because she sees parallels in her life and how she was treated with these other women in her life and how they were treated um yeah, and like I said, her parents had a bad marriage from the start um another thing I wrote down that was kind of interesting was her brother um when Brittany was four her older brother got into like a lawnmower accident where like he and his friends were like playing on lawnmowers or something like that and they um crashed into each other and so 
she like saw the accident with her mom and her brother was like in a full body cast. And Brittany says that she thinks her mom like still feels guilty about it. And she says in the book, she's like, my mom still defers to him and like kind of caters to him to this day, which I thought was interesting because we don't really, we don't know that much about Brian, but um, I don't think he was very like not there for Brittany and just still like finding his way. I don't know what he does for work. Probably just was using Britney's money like the rest of her family for a while. Um, another thing that I wrote down is that um, her mom would yell at her dad like all night while um, he'd be like kind of passed out drunk or like just kind of he'd get drunk a lot. Britney complains about how she wouldn't be able to sleep at all that night because her mom would just be screaming at the dad. And so she'd like come out of into the living room and like be like, please like let me sleep. Stop yelling. Um, another thing I wrote down is that Brittany smokes um, Virginia Slims, which is the same type of cigarette that her mom smokes or that like her mom smoked when she was younger. I don't know why that was included, but I thought that was interesting. I did not know that she smokes. Okay, and moving on, um, Brittany just talks about how she was really good at dancing. She won uh, like local dance competitions all the time. Eventually, she um, auditioned, I think when she was nine, um, or maybe eight or nine, she auditioned for the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, and she remembers seeing um, an older than her, Carrie Russell, who we know from various um, TV shows and movies, and then Christina Aguilera, who's um, her age. Uh, she and Christina Aguilera got passed on because they were both too young, but they were both told that um, if they come back in a few years, they'd probably get chosen. Um, she performed on Star Search. Uh, and so she was like singing and dancing, but like she was just a performer. She was like really good at this. Um, she eventually got into or like got onto the Mickey Mouse Club, that TV show, which I really know nothing about. But um, I guess it was a big deal in the 90s. But that's where she met Ryan Gosling and then um, Christina Aguilera again and then Justin Timberlake. She talks about how she and Justin Timberlake were at a sleepover with like the other members of the Mickey Mouse Club. And they were playing Truth or Dare and they were dared to kiss. I don't know how old they were. Um, Brittany also talks about how starting in eighth grade, she would drink with her mom and she started smoking at 13 as well. Um, she also talks about how she was secretly going out with her older brother's um, best friend. So when she was 14, so this guy was like 17, and she lost her virginity to him. And so she's in ninth grade. And um, eventually, like, her brother, like, found out and, like, just hated the guy and stuff. And, like, just I just, like, it's, like, really gross. Like, 14 so young. But um, anyway, it's just. So eventually she got an agent and um, she moved to New York and I think she was like in an off-Broadway play or something. And like that was really hard on her, like performing like um, several times a week and she was still really young. So she talks about uh, if you've watched any like of these documentaries, there's this lady named Felicia who was hired to be kind of like her, not her caretaker, but just like take her places and really be like her companion because she had moved to um, New York City. I forgot why. But her mom had Jamie Lynn, who was, like, too young. Like, like she couldn't – she was preoccupied with Jamie Lynn. So, like, Brittany needed, like, someone to help her out, like, while she was going to all these, like, different things and, like, recording stuff and all that. And I don't think that she talks about – or she talks to Felicia anymore. Um, but she does talk about, like, later on when she gets into the conservatorship that um, Felicia, like, wasn't allowed to see her anymore. They became very close. And um, I think she was also from Louisiana as well. Um, one thing that she talks about is how she worked with the producer Max Martin on the song Baby One More Time. And she said that she wanted more R&B in her voice than pop. And then he, like, took that into consideration, and I guess she's saying that song has, like, more of an R&B feel to it, which I don't think it really does. But um, it's interesting because if you watch these young Britney, like, singing compilations when she's, like, a kid, she has a really deep voice. And one thing that I wish she had talked about in this book was why her voice became, like, so babyish. Like, I really wish she addressed that because I don't know if that was, like more of her choice or like she agreed that it would be fine if she like changed her voice to stand out or if that was like management saying like oh we already have Christina Aguilera and like 
I don't know who else had a stronger voice back then, but like you need to be different. Like I really wish that she talked about that, but she did not address that at all. Um, okay. So she like got famous from that song, obviously. And then she eventually started dating Justin Timberlake. Um, so I have a page in the book, like, okay, I just need to say that like all of these things that she I read about so all these things that I read about Justin in this book just confirmed like how much of a like a dork and a loser he is okay so I'm going to read um okay this is something she says about she and Justin okay one day Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town I'd never been to before walking our way was a guy with a huge blinged out metal or sorry Walking our way was a guy with a huge blinged out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, faux shiz, faux shiz, genuine, what's up, homie? After genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh yeah, faux shiz, faux shiz, genuine. Jay wasn't even embarrassed. He just took it and looked at her. And like, because this is a clean podcast, I will say, Okay, F you, Fee. Or Felicia. That was the trip where he got his first necklace, a big T for Timberlake. I had a hard time being as carefree as he seemed. I couldn't help but notice that the questions he got asked by talk show hosts were different from the ones they asked me. Everyone kept making strange, com- strange comments about my breasts, wanting to know whether or not I'd gotten, um, I'd had plastic surgery. Press could be uncomfortable, but at awards shows, I felt real joy. Child and me got a thrill seeing Steven Tyler from Aerosmith for the first time at the MTV Music video music awards um yeah so that's what she kind of says um let me see so okay like he just seems like a loser that's all i'm gonna say um and she talks about like bigger things that happened with him later on but she also says, um, that was a good time in my life. I was so in love with Justin, just smitten. I don't know if when you're younger, love's a different thing. But what Justin and I had was special. She's obviously very in love with him. Um, but then she talks about how he was not a very good boyfriend. So she says, there were a couple times during our relationship when I knew Justin had cheated on me. Especially because I was so infatuated and so in love, I let it go, even though the tabloids seemed determined to rub my face in it. When NSYNC went to London in 2000, photographers caught him with one of the girls from All Saints in a car. I don't know who that is. But I never said anything. At the time, we'd only been together for a year. Another time, we were in Vegas, and one of my dancers who'd been hanging out with him told me he gestured towards a girl and said, Yeah, man, I hit that last night. I don't want to say who he was talking about because she's actually very popular and she's married with kids now. I don't want her to feel bad. Okay, so people online, they allegedly think that she was talking about um, Jenna Dewan, who used to be married to Channing Tatum. Because she was like a backup dancer to Justin Timberlake and she is married and has kids now with a different guy. That's all alleged, but um, I just thought that was very interesting. Okay, so she goes on to say... Uh, my friend was shocked and believed Justin only was only saying it because he was high and felt like bragging. There were rumors about him with various dancers and groupies. I let it all go, but clearly he'd slept around. It was one of those things where, you know, but you just don't say anything. So I did too. Not a lot. One time with Wade Robson. I don't know who that is. Um, we were out one night and we went to a Spanish bar. We danced and danced. I made out with him that night. I was loyal to Justin for years, only had eyes for him and that one exception. Uh, with that one exception, which I admitted to him. That night was chalked up to something that will happen when you're as young as we were, and Justin and I moved past it and stayed together. I thought we were going to be together forever. I hoped we would be. Okay. This is another bombshell that um, people have already been talking about this, but here we go. She says, At one point when we were dating, I became pregnant with Justin's baby. It was a surprise, but for me, it wasn't a tragedy. I loved Justin so much. I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would be, this would just be much earlier than I had anticipated. Besides, what was done was done. But Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. I could understand. I mean, I kind of understood. 
if he didn't want to become a father, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. I wouldn't want to push him into something he didn't want. Our relationship was too important to me. Okay, so then she says, um, I'm sure people will hate me for this, but I agreed not to have the baby. Abortion was something I never could have imagined choosing for myself, but given the circumstances, that is what we did. I don't know if that was the right decision. If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. We also decided on something that in retrospect wound up being, in my view, wrong. And that was that I should not go to a doctor or to a hospital to have the abortion. It was important that no one find out about the pregnancy or the abortion, which meant doing everything at home. We didn't even tell my family. The only person who knew besides Justin and me was Felicia, who was always on hand to help me. I was told it might hurt a little bit, but you'll be fine. On the appointed day with only Felicia and Justin there, I took the pills. Soon I started having excruciating cramps. I went to the bathroom and stayed there for hours, lying on the floor, sobbing and screaming. They should have numbed me with something, I thought. I wanted some kind of anesthesia. I wanted to go to the doctor. I was so scared. I lay there wondering if I was going to die. When I tell you it was painful, I can't begin to describe it. The pain was unbelievable. I went down to the ground to my knees holding the toilet for a long time i couldn't move to this day it's one of the most agonizing things i've ever experienced in my life um okay this next part like that's so terrible by the way i'm like justin the but this next part about justin <laughs> it reminds me of in the barbie movie when um ryan gosling and like all the kens gather around to sing uh the is it matchbox 20 but the push song where it's just kind of like awkward it's like i don't know but you know what i mean so this is what she says still they didn't take me to the hospital justin came into the bathroom and lay on the floor with me at some point he thought maybe music would help so he got his guitar and he lay there with me strumming it i kept crying and sobbing until it was all over it took hours and i don't remember how it ended but i do 20 years later remember the pain of it and the fear after that, I was messed up for a while, especially because I still did love Justin so much. It was insane how much I loved him, and for me, it was unfortunate. I should have seen the breakup coming, but I didn't. So, okay, she. this is like a really big like bombshell. Um, Justin Timberlake is just a loser, as we all know. Um, just the fact that like she confirms that he cheated on her all the time. And it's not very fair because like from what the interviews and like everything I know... After they broke up, he, uh, I think she goes into this longer or a little bit more, but like he wrote Cry Me a River and in the music video, he had um, like a Britney lookalike in it, basically saying like, oh, you cheated on me and like whatever. But like she says that she only like made out with the guy. He was like sleeping with tons of women. Um, he just seems like a loser. And then like the whole thing with him and Genuine, like he's so embarrassing. Um, I can't believe that I ever thought like he was cool. Like there was a time, like probably like 10 years ago, that was his last good album. But um, I don't know. I think everyone like <laughs> collectively hates Justin Timberlake now or just sees that he's like, he's so embarrassing. And then there's also that thing like a couple of years ago where he was in uh, New Orleans and he was like drunk or something, but he's sitting out on a balcony facing the public and he was holding hands with his movie co-star and then people took pictures of it and they're like, oh my gosh, you're cheating on Jessica Biel. And so he like released a statement that I'm sure Jessica made him write being like, oh, I'm sorry, like that was like I was drunk or we just held hands. But like, I don't know, we can allegedly think that something else happened. Okay, so moving on, um, I have another page to read. When Justin began making his first solo album, Justified, he started becoming very standoffish with me. I think that was because he decided for, to use me as ammunition for his record, and so it made it awkward for him to be around me, um, staring at him with all the affection and devotion. Ultimately, he ended our relationship by text message while I was on the set for the video um, for the Overprotected Remix by Dark Child. So one thought, um, so people texted like kind of differently back then because you couldn't like write like novels or like, you know, you had like a tiny like Nokia I don't even know if there's flip phones by then, but it's like, do you think he just like sent like a short text of like, we, the letter R and then over and like, were there emoji, no emojis, but like a colon and then a parentheses, like a left one. I don't know. Anyway. So she says, after seeing the, the message, um, as I saw in my trailer between takes, I had to go back out and dance for as much as Justin hurt me. 
there was a huge foundation of love, and when he left me, I was devastated. That is italicized. Um, when I say devastated, I mean I could barely speak for months. Whenever anyone asked me about him, all I could do was cry. I don't know if I was clinically in shock, but it felt that way. Um, everyone knew who knew me thought something was wrong with me. Really wrong. I went back home to Kentwood and I couldn't talk to my family or friends. I barely left the house. I was that messed up. I lay in my bed and stared at the ceiling. Uh, Justin flew out to Louisiana to visit me. He brought me a long letter he'd written and framed. I still have it under my bed. And at the end, it said, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. I can't breathe without you. Those are the last words in it. Reading that, I thought, damn, he's a good writer. Because that was exactly how I felt. It almost felt like I was suffocating. Like, I couldn't breathe after all that had happened. The thing is, though, even after I saw him and read the letter, I didn't come out of the trance. He did all that. He came there to see me. And I still couldn't talk to him or to anybody. Okay, so also that happened. Um, she had the abortion when she was 19 years old. So just very young. Like, I think this was her first love. And, like, obviously having, like, becoming pregnant and then, like, breaking up after that. Like, I just – very traumatizing for her, I'm sure, and, like, very sad, and it sounds like it. Um, I don't know why he came to Louisiana. That seems really weird. Okay. So – let me go back to okay so she goes on about how like she had to start working again um after the breakup um she said like she also started taking Prozac um during this time um and uh okay I don't know if this is an order but the, these are my notes um she said that she also like built her mom a home cleared her dad's debts so while she was like um getting back into music um she says part of what made that period of time so difficult is that justin's family had been the only real loving family i had for the holidays the only family i would go to was his i knew his grandmother and his grandfather and i loved them so much i thought of them as home my mom would come out and visit us every once in a while but she's not who i went home to ever my mom was trying to recover from her divorce from my dad, which she'd finally gone through with um, depressed and self-medicating. She could barely get off, get up off the couch. My dad was nowhere to be found. Okay, this next part, um, she says, and my little sister, well, when I tell you she was a total bitch, I'm not exaggerating. I had always been the worker bee. While I was doing my thing on the road with Felicia, I hadn't been paying attention to what was happening in Kentwood. But when I came home, I saw how things had changed. My mom would serve Jamie Lynn while she watched TV, bringing her little chocolate milkshakes. It was clear that girl ruled the roost. Meanwhile, it was like I was a ghost child. I can remember walking into the room and feeling like no one even saw me. Um, okay, and then she says, Jamie Lynn only saw the TV. <laughs> My mother, who at one time had been the person I was closest to in the world, was on another planet. And the way adolescent Jamie Lynn spoke to my mother, my mouth would just drop. I'd listen to her spew those hateful words, and I'd turn to my mother and say, are you going to let this little witch talk to you like that? I mean, she was bad. That's italicized. Um, I felt betrayed by how Jamie Lynn had changed. I'd bought a house for Jamie Lynn to grow up in, and she was not exactly grateful for it. She'd later say, why'd she get us a house? Like, it was some sort of imposition. But that house had been a gift. I'd bought it because our family had needed a new house and I'd wanted her to have a better life than I had. Life in Louisiana had passed me by. I felt like I had no one to talk to. Going through that breakup, going home and seeing how much I didn't fit in anywhere anymore, I realized that I was technically growing up, becoming a woman. And yet, honestly, it was almost like I went backward at the same time and became younger in my mind. Have you seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? That's how I felt. Somehow that year, in becoming more vulnerable, I started to feel like a child again. And Brittany, I get it. So um, I loved how she was trashing Jamie Lynn Spears. Um, no one likes her, which I think is really funny. Um, but yeah, I Jamie Lynn just always seems very like ungrateful. And like, I will admit, I watched Zoe 101. I really liked it. But um, anyway, now we're going to talk more about Justin. I felt there was no way at the time to tell my side of the story. I couldn't explain because I knew no one would take my side once Justin had convinced the world of his version. 
I don't think Justin realized the power he had in shaming me. I don't think he understands to this day. After Crimea River came out, anywhere I went, I could I would get booed. Um, I would go to clubs and I would hear booze. Once I went to a Lakers game with my little sister and one of my brother's friends and the whole place, the whole arena booed me. Justin told everyone that he and I had a sexual relationship, which some people have pointed out depicted me as a not only a cheating slut, but also a liar and hypocrite. Given that I had so many teenage fans, my managers and press people had long tried to portray me as an internal virgin. Never mind that Justin and I had been living together and I'd been having sex since I was 14. Was I mad at being outed by him as sexually active? No. To be honest with you, I liked that Justin had said that. Why did my managers work so hard to claim that I was some kind of young, uh, young girl virgin even into my 20s? Whose business was it if I'd had sex or not? I'd appreciated it when Oprah told me on her show that my sexuality was no one else's business, and that's when it came to virginity. You don't need a world announcement if you change your mind. So, um, okay, this next part. And sorry, I um, don't have my glasses on, and I took photos of the uh, the pages of the book, and it's like really small font, so that's why I can't, I'm like stumbling over my words. She says, Justin ended up sleeping with six or seven girls in the weeks after we officially broke up, or so I heard. Hey, I get it. He was Justin Timberlake. This was his first time to go solo. He was a girl's dream. I was in love with him. I understood the infatuation people had with him. I decided if Justin was going to date, I should try to get out there too. I hadn't dated in a while since I'd been heartbroken and on tour. That winter, I saw a guy who I thought was handsome and a club promoter friend said I had good taste. Um... That guy is so cool, my friend said. His name is Colin Farrell, and he's shooting a movie right now. We'll talk, well, talk about balls. I got in my car, and I drove drove up to the set of his action movie, um, SWAT. I've never seen the movie. Who did I think I was? Um, okay, and then she just kind of goes on to say that she just kind of, like, walked up to him and the director, and then they just started talking, and then they had, like, a two-week, like, whirlwind romance. Um, Yeah. Um, another thing she has said in the book that I thought was kind of interesting and not everyone might know is that, um, she, it was down to her and Rachel McAdams, um, for the main part in the movie, The Notebook, which, um, but then she was like, I feel like when I act, like I go to method and I can't do it. And she was talking about how when she's in Crossroads, she like took her character too seriously. And so she's acting was not her thing, even though I think she's actually a pretty good actress. So yeah, they had like, I guess there's, um, she went to a movie premiere with him and then like, it just kind of fizzled out, but like, it was not a very like serious relationship. She also says that she had social anxiety, um, after the breakup with Justin, um, but she hosted a new year's Eve party with Natalie Portman, which, um, I thought was interesting. Um, she also says that Madonna was a mentor to her um, after the breakup and initiated her into Kabbalah. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like a religious thing. Um, she also talks about the um, interview she had with Diane Sawyer. Um, she says that she did not know any of the questions beforehand and forced her to like talk about Justin. Um, there's like a really like there's some clips of it where she just starts crying and she gets like really uncomfortable when um Diane Sawyer is like you broke this boy's heart like so people don't like Diane Sawyer because of this um I think that like a lot of people failed her for this but like this just was like a really traumatizing relationship not only because it was like her first real one but I think because of that pregnant that pregnancy okay now let's get to her first marriage so she's talking about how she goes to Las Vegas for New Year's Eve and Paris Hilton was there and she says they got really, really drunk and her childhood friend was there and she's like, I got bored. So I got married to him. So I guess that guy, I think his name is Jason Alexander, like the guy from Seinfeld. Um, he claims like they got married in Las Vegas cause they like were actually in love. She says that like they were drunk and it was like kind of an act of rebellion in a way. Um, but they got that annulled and she said her parents were like she says a lot during throughout the book that like she felt like she was never good enough for her parents or like they were always like like her dad would always tell her like you're too fat or like 
just you're not good enough like you need to like do this more and just like be really mean and then her mom like it's just like she could never fully impress her mom or fully like impress her family even though she was doing so much for them um so she says i don't know why i wrote this down but like she hurt her knee filming the music video for sometimes um okay so then she goes on tour and she meets her backup dancer kevin federline so okay here's what she says about uh kevin federline i feel like a lot of women and this is definitely true of me can be as strong as they want to be can play the powerful role but at the end of the day after we've done our work and made our money and taken care of everyone else we want someone to hold us tight and tell us everything's going to be okay i'm sorry I know it sounds regressive, but I think it's a human impulse. We want to feel safe and alive and sexy all the time, all at the same time. And that's what Kevin did for me. So I held on to him like there was no tomorrow. In the beginning, my relationship with Kevin, in their beginning, my relationship with Kevin was playful. Kevin liked me the way I was. As a woman who spent so much time trying to live up to uh, society's expectations, being with a man who gave me permission to be exactly who I was felt like such a gift. Kevin had a bad boy image. Still, I had no idea when we met that he had a toddler, nor that his ex-girlfriend was eight months pregnant with his second baby. I was clueless. I was living in a bubble, and I didn't have a lot of good close friends to confide in and get advice from. I had no idea until after we'd been together for a while, and someone told me, you know he has a new baby, right? That's crazy. She says, um, I didn't believe it, but when I asked, he told me it was true. He told me he saw them once a month. Okay, just once a month for two kids. Like, okay. And then she says, you have kids? I said, you have children? Not only me, or no, I'm sorry. I, the font is too small. Not only one child, but two children. So a number was done, done on me. Obviously, I had no idea. But then she like stayed with him. So whatever. Okay. Um, she says, uh, so now we're in 2004. She says that spring of 2004, I had to go back to work to make good on my contracted dates, even though I was in no mood to go do it. Um, I figured it would be tolerable if Kevin could go with me and he agreed to come. We had so much fun together on that tour. He, um, helped me keep distracted from the work, which felt as challenging as it had ever been. I'm so sorry, guys, which felt as challenging as it had ever had. After the shows, I didn't have to go back to my hotel room alone. Flying home, we were chatting away, and I asked him to marry me. He said no, and then he proposed. We filmed tour diaries together. The original concept was a documentary like Madonna's Truth or Dare, but it became more like a collection of our home movies, especially after I got hurt again. Um, she hurt her knee, I guess. Um, it was later released as a reality show called Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. I've never seen this, but I would love to watch it. Because she says um, the Onyx hotel tour was just rough. It was too sexual for a star. Justin had embarrassed me publicly. So my rebuttal on stage was to kind of go there a little bit too. But it was absolutely horrible. I hated it in the moment. In fact, I hated that entire stupid tour so much that I prayed every night. I said, um, I don't know what. Oh, oh, basically, she just wanted to like have like something stop the tour. And so then she got injured and then like that tour was canceled and she was happy about that. I had no idea that, like, she canceled a tour. Oh, I just want to make a comment. Um, It sounds like touring is, like, not very fun. She also said, like, TV is easy, touring is not. I remember there's, like, a on TikTok, I saw it, but Michael Jackson said, too, he's like, I hate touring. And, like, I feel like everyone, all these singers hate it. I feel like Justin Bieber hated it, too, and, like, he never does anymore, like, Selena Gomez. Like, I honestly don't know how Taylor Swift is doing it and, like, enjoying it, but... um. It, it like sounds like it ruins people sometimes so anyway um okay so i think this is when things get really like just hard for her um okay so she says my sister had also just landed a huge Nickelodeon deal. I was happy for her. Seeing her learning her lines and doing wardrobe fittings reminded me that I would have loved to have a job that was more like the cozy world of children's television. I liked thinking about the Mickey Mouse Club and remembering how easy I had um, everything had seemed back then. I thought Kevin would give me the stability I was craving and the freedom, too. 
not a lot of people were happy for Kevin and me. Um, whether or not I liked it, I was one of the biggest stars in the world at that time. He was living a more private life. I had to defend our relationship to everyone. Kevin and I got married that fall. We held a surprise ceremony in September, but the lawyers needed more time with the prenup, so the legal event didn't um, take place for a couple weeks. Uh, People Magazine shot the ceremony. I wore a strapless dress, and the bridesmaids wore burgundy. After the ceremony, I changed into a pink, uh, pink sweatsuit that read Mrs. Betterline, and everyone else put on juicy tracksuits, too, because we went to a club after to dance all night. Now that I was married and thinking about starting a family, um, I started to say no to things, but she like didn't want to do. Oh, that didn't feel right. Okay. Um, oh, bec- and like the Onyx tour. Um, I parted ways with my managers. I posted a letter to fans on my website in which I told them I was going to take some time off to enjoy my life. I've actually learned to say no, I wrote, and I meant it. With this newly found freedom, it's like people don't know how to act around me. I'm sorry that my life seemed like it was all over the place the past two years. It's probably because it was. I understand now what they mean when they talk about child stars. Going and going and going is all I've ever known since I was 15 years old. Please remember that times are changing and so am I. I felt so much peace after announcing my intention to control my life at last. Things are going to change around here, I thought exactly. And then they did. Okay, so uh, then she talks about how she got pregnant um, with her first uh, first child with Kevin. Um, she said that she was really mean when she was pregnant, but like, um, and she was basically pregnant for like two years back to back. She has two children, Jaden and gosh, Preston, Sean. Yeah, no, Sean Preston and Jaden something. Um. There are three or she got pregnant with her second child three months after she had the first. So like, and I think that like was hard. Um, she also talks about how while she was pregnant the first time, um, she was protective over Jamie Lynn. And she says, after Jamie Lynn complained to me about a co-star of hers on her TV show, Zoe 101, um, I showed up on the set to have words with the actress. What I must have looked like, hugely pregnant, yelling at a teenage, and I would later learn, innocent girl. Are you spreading rumors about my sister? And to that young act- actress, I'm sorry. So um, I believe that actress is Alexis, what's her name? Alexis Nicola or something like that. But um, she was on Zoe 101 for a while. She talks a lot about like, she's had weird experiences with a lot of celebrities like being creepy to her. But she's talked about the Britney experience, and um, I believe, like, Britney even, like, posted an apology for that. Um, Jamie Lynn just seems really, like, strange. That's all I'll say. She also talks about how, like, the paparazzi were really bad during this time. Um, She said that, like, okay, so Kevin was trying to be a rapper, um, but he'd, like, go and record, but, like, she would go visit him, and it would just smell like um, weed all the time, and I guess she hates that smell. Um, so let me back up a little bit. Okay. So she says that, um, after she had her kids, she's like, I had perinatal, um, depression and there wasn't a lot of like help or like resources or like talk about it back then, which I thought was interesting. Also that it was interesting. She was like, I know I dress bad. It's like same Brittany. Like I get it. And like people are so mean to her on Instagram. Like I myself have been mean about what she does on Instagram, but it's like, like people make fun of her brown leather pumps and it's like, just leave her alone. Okay. She, um, also says that like, okay. Sorry guys. Okay. So she confirms Here's what I wrote down. She confirms that she did record Blackout. Um, that's the, I really like that album. Um, it has Gimme More on it. But um, she was saying that it was like during a hard like marriage time for her. The reason why I say that is because there's a rumor that someone else um, like recorded it for her. She says that Gimme More is the worst video, music video she's shot in her life. Um, but Blackout is like, her favorite one she's made. She says that um, K-Fed got offered to do a Super Bowl commercial making fun of himself. Of himself and then she really saw him after that. Um, when Jaden was two months old, she filed for divorce and she was told he wanted to, but felt too guilty to like be the one to file. And because she was the one to file, she had to pay for his legal bills. Um, and then she talks about how Paris Hilton like helped her through this and like, or just like getting her back out there and they went through a party phase. 
Um, okay, so let me go back to this is when things kind of like kind of go downhill for her because it involves her kids and like this is like yeah, two thousand seven, two thousand eight time. She says that she never had a drinking po- uh, problem, but she did Adderall and no hard drugs. Um, she says, like, she talks about that one. There's some paparazzi pictures of her, Paris Hilton, and Lindsay Lohan, like, coming out of the club or something. She And everyone looks kind of like either they're on something or maybe drunk. And she says that they were just really drunk. Um, she says that she was still suffering from severe postpartum depression during this. And Kevin wanted full custody custody of the boys. And, um, like, sometimes when he had them, like, he wouldn't give them back to her. Um, so she just talks about, like, that was a really hard time for her. Like, she wasn't allowed to see her kids sometimes. Um, and, like, the paparazzi were just, like, always there. They were here for, like, just always following her, taking pictures of her, like, during, like, really one of the worst times of her life because of this custody battle. And, like yeah she was like partying a lot but like people were being really like she just wasn't allowed to see her kids she talks about um her shaving her head so she says the paparazzi watched it all happen i can't describe the humiliation i felt i was cornered i was out being chased like always by these men um waiting for me to do something they could uh, photograph so that night i gave them some material i went into a hair salon and i took the clippers and i shaved off all my hair Everyone thought it was hilarious. Look at how crazy she is. Even my parents acted embarrassed by me. But nobody seemed to understand that I was simply out of my mind with grief. My children had been taken away from me. With my head shaved, everyone was scared of me, even my mom. No one would talk to me anymore because I was too ugly. My long hair was a big part of what people liked. I knew that. I know, or I knew a lot of guys who thought long hair was hot. Shaving my head was a way of saying to the world, F you. Honestly, Brittany, like, I get it. I get it. And she says, um, I'd been the good girl for years. I'd smiled politely while TV TV show hosts leered at my breasts while American parents said I was destroying their children by wearing a crop top while executives patted my hand condescendingly, second-guessed my career choices even though I'd sold millions of records while my family acted like I was evil and I was tired of it. At the end of the day, I didn't care. All I wanted to do was see my boys. It made me sick thinking about the hours, the days, the weeks I missed with them. My most special moments in life are taking naps with my children. That's the closest I've ever felt to God. Taking naps with my precious babies, smelling their hair, holding their tiny hands. I became incredibly angry. I think a lot of women um, understand this. A friend of mine once said, if someone took my baby away from me, I would have done a whole lot more than get a haircut. I would have burned the city to the ground. So... Just really sad for Brittany. Like, I don't know, like looking back at it now, like, is it that big of a deal that she shaved her head? Like, just considering what people do now, like how they dress and like what they do with their bodies. But um, okay, so she says one night she went to the gas station with her with her cousin because she was uh, going to go to Kevin's house to get her kids. And someone called the paparazzi. And this was when, like, her head was shaved and everything. And, um, like, people, the paparazzi were, like, following her at the, uh, you know, wherever she was going. Um, So we've seen those pictures. And then she goes up to Kevin's gate and she's denied entry. And so she is, like, at her breaking point, And then she, like, gets out of the car with an umbrella. And she, like, hits one of the paparazzi's um, cars with it. And she felt really embarrassed by that. She said that she later apologized to, like, that, um, like, paparazzi, like, agency and the photographer. But then that photographer, and I've actually seen this documentary, he went onto that documentary and he said that, um, like, we got the money shot. And so Brittany, like, saw that and she felt really bad about that. So this next part is about the conservatorship. So she says, my father has struck up a very close relationship with Louise Lou Taylor, who he worshipped. She was front and center during the implementation of the conservatorship that would later allow them to control and take over my career. Um, Lou, who had just started a new company called TriStar Sports and Entertainment Group, was directly involved in calling the shots right before the conservatorship. At the time, she had a few real clients. She basically used my name and hard work to build her company. Conservatorships, also called guardianships, are usually reserved for people with no mental capacity, people who can't do anything for themselves. But I was highly functional. I'd just done the best album of my career. I was making a lot of people a lot of money, especially my father, who I found out took a bigger salary than he paid me. 
He paid himself more than $6 million while paying others close to him tens of millions more. The thing is, you can have a conservatorship that lasts for two months, and then the person gets on track and you let them control their life again. But that wasn't what my father wanted. He wanted far more. My dad was able to set up two forms of conservatorship, was called conservatorship of the person and conservatorship of the estate. The conservator of the person is designated to control details of the conservatee's life, um, like where they live, what they eat, whether they can drive a car, and um, what they do day to day. Even though I begged the court to appoint literally anyone else, and I mean anyone off the street would have been better, my father was given the job, the same man who'd made me cry if I had to get in the car with him when I was a little girl because he talked to himself, and the court was told that I was demented and I wasn't even allowed to pick my own lawyer. The conservator of the estate and estate worth, in my case, tens of millions of dollars at one point, manages the conservatee's affairs to keep them from being subject to undue um, influence or fraud. This role was taken by my father in conjunction with a lawyer named Andrew Wallet. Um, I hope it's it's a wallet or wallet. I don't know. Who would eventually be paid $426,000 a year for keeping me from my own money. I would be forced to pay upward of $500,000 a year to my court-appointed lawyer, who I wasn't allowed to replace. It felt like my father and Lou's employee, Robin Greenhill, ruled my life and monitored every move I made. I'm a five foot four inch pop singer who calls everyone sir and ma'am. They treated me like I was a criminal or predator. There were times when I needed my father over the years and I reached out and he wasn't there. But when it came time for him to be the conservator, conservator, of course, he was on the case. He'd always been all about the money. Um, I can't say my mom was that much better. She'd acted innocent while she was there for two sleepover nights with my girlfriends and me. She had known the whole time that they were going to take me away. I'm convinced that it was all planned and that my dad and my mom and Lou Taylor were all involved. TriStar was even planning to be my co- uh, co-conservator. Um, later, I learned that at the time, they put me into the conservatorship on the heels of his bankruptcy. My dad had been financially indebted to Lou, owing her at least $40,000, a lot for him, especially back then. That is what my new lawyer, Matthew Rosengar, later called a conflict of interest in court. Soon after, I was brought to the hospital against my will. I was informed that con- the uh, conservator paper conservatorship papers had been filed. Sorry, guys. Um, she says, I knew musicians who did heroin, got in fistfights, and threw TVs out of hotel win- uh, windows. Not only didn't I steal anything or hurt anyone else or do hard drugs, I was keeping track of my tax deductions. Um I'm sorry, like, this is, I'm skipping a little bit, like, she was just saying, like, her dad took over and everything, and so, like, she got home and, like, she used, she said that she used to, like, put all of her receipts in a bowl to, like, keep track of things, like, tax things, tax deductions, and she says, not anymore. My father shoved aside my bowl of receipts, setting up his things on the bar or, like, in the office in her um, house. He said, I just want to let you know, I'll, I call the shots. You sit right there in that chair, and I'll tell you what goes on. I looked at him with a growing sense of horror. I'm Britney Spears now, he said. My gosh, like what a psycho. Like, I have to take a drink. I'm like about to cough all over the place because I never talked for this long. Um, he like, I knew just listening to like what her testimony in court, like he was crazy. But like, he, this is insane. I can't imagine doing this to anyone like uh, for like 13 years. Okay. So, um, let's see. So, like, she talks about going to rehab a lot. It's like, um, uh, she also says that, um, they forced her to perform Gimme More at the VMAs. Um, and that was like really hard for her because people called her fat. They, she was like, people thought she was like on something, but she just was having like a panic attack. I believe her. And she also saw like Justin backstage and this was like at the height of his career. And then she was just kind of like finding her way back. Um, They took her kids like and gave them to Kevin Federline. Um, She also talks about like how, I think this was before the conservatorship. So I apologize for not bringing this up before, but like there's a time where like she's like at a hotel or something and they were doing like the custody trade-off and she took one of the kids into the bathroom with her and like locked the door because she was like crying about it and then so they like broke down the door and they like strapped to, strapped her to a gurney and like that's kind of what sparked the conservatorship because they're like 
because they're like, oh, you're crazy. So I did not bring that up before, but there we go. Um, okay. Uh, she also said that the family kept Jamie Lynn's pregnancy a secret from her. Um, she talked about how, like, before the conservatorship, like, right before she dated a married photographer and just, like, let loose and stuff. Um, but then now with the conservatorship, everyone she dated was chosen for her and, like, vetted. Um, yeah, she's, like, forced to stick with her weird court-appointed lawyer. Um, she didn't know that she could have gotten her, her own lawyer. Um, yeah. Okay. Then she says that, uh... I didn't know this either. Apparently her mom is BFFs with the governor of Louisiana. And she's like, why didn't my mom ever try to like get help from her? Like she just felt like really let down by everyone in her family. Um, she says, I decided to make a push to get out of the conservatorship. I went to court in 2014 mentioned my father's al alcoholism and erratic behavior. Um, asking that they drug test him uh after all he was controlling my money and my life but my case didn't go anywhere the judge just didn't listen what followed was a cloak and dagger effort to get my own lawyer i even mentioned the conservatorship on a talk show in 2016 but somehow that part of the interview didn't make it to the air huh how interesting that feeling of being trapped contributed to the collapse of my romantic life um so she had talked before like she had a couple of relationships um during uh the conservatorship um she's talking about this guy named charlie like they she's like after a fight she got prideful so they stopped speaking to each other um like whatever that's not very relevant um she says my music was my life and the conservatorship was deadly for that it crushed my soul um she talks about how like <laughs> Now she had a team of people keeping track of when, like, she was going to the studio and, like, when she was using, using the toilet in the um, studio. She says, I read after the conservatorship that my father and Robin at Lou Taylor's company, TriStar, had been involved with the security company they hired, Black Box, in monitoring and reviewing calls and texts coming out of and going to my cell phone including private texts with my boyfriend, my lawyer at the time, and my own kids, and worse, that my father even had a bug put in my home, in my own home. That was all part of their control. She also says they put parental controls on her phone, um, and she felt like every day was Groundhog Day for like 13 years. She says that she did it for her kids um, and like just so that she could see them. So like basically this was all for her kids so that she could see them. In 2010, her parents got back together after being divorced, and she thinks it's because, like, it was appealing that her dad, like, appeared to have a stable job and so, like, an income. So her mom was like, ooh, and so they got back, so they got back together. Um, she says she dated this guy named Jason Tarwick, I think, for three years, um, and she was also a judge on X Factor and hated it. Um, they even got engaged, but when he became the co-conservator of her, her feelings changed. And so they like broke up. Um, okay. So she talks about, I don't really know this album that much, but it's called glory, but she felt like she, when she was doing the music videos for those, like she felt so light and free. It reminded her of what it felt like to perform like new material and how much she needed it. Um, okay. And then she said, when I was told I'd be receiving the first ever Radio Disney Icon Award the year after Glory came out, I thought, this is great. I'll take the boys and wear a cute black dress and it'll be a lot of fun. Well, as I sat in the audience singing a medley of my songs performed, I had so many feelings. By the time Jamie Lynn made a surprise appearance to do a bit of Till the World Ends and the Hand Me My Award, I was a ball of emotion. The whole time I was watching a show, I kept flashing back to the concert special I'd done for In the Zone. It was a remixed ABC special. I had rehearsed for a week and sung uh, several new songs. They shot me so beautifully. I felt like a kid. Frankly, it's some of my best work. There was a cabaret vibe to a sultry rendition of Baby One More Time. And then for every time I wore a pretty white dress. It was just really, really beautiful. It had been felt so incredible to be at that stage of my career free and performing my music my way with so much creative control. Um. She says she felt honored to be there, but I was furious. Um, here were three singers and my sister doing new arrangements, something I'd begged for for 13 years, having fun with my songs in a way I hadn't in hundreds of performances. And I was sitting there having to smile. Okay, so I forgot to mention, guys. Um, <laughs> so she's talking about how she uh, started her Las Vegas residency in 2013. It started out great. 
Um, she also mentions that a boyfriend at the time gave her energy supplements and her dad found out and was like, you are like, um, like you were awful. Like, how dare you do this? And so she got sent to, um, rehab for a month in Malibu. Um, she says that she was a people pleaser, couldn't like drive a car. Um, she was like really frustrated, like, uh, with having like she p- performed the same routine same songs for like several years in las vegas and it's like when she wanted to do like remixes or change it up her team was always like no so by seeing jamie lynn like sing one of her songs and do these remixes like she was furious okay so she- i'll be talking about like during this time during her um residency which by the way it kind of reminds me of like the movie elvis how he was like trapped in las vegas as well like just had a contract and it was kind of like trapped there she says for two years, she only ate um, chicken and canned vegetables. She wasn't allowed into spas. She was given a, an allowance of $2,000 per week. Um, she couldn't buy, like, even sneakers freely. Like, they would say, oh, you don't have enough money for that. Um, she talks about her now ex-husband, who I think when this book, when she was writing it, she was still with him. She met him on the set of her music video for Slumber Party. Um, and, like, she has really glowing things to say about him. Um, she was sent to rehab again because she had energy supplements. Um, but then her dad was like, you can do outpatient treatment and just go to AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous four times a week. And she wasn't even allowed to drink. Um, and then she said that like she was forced to wear like tight wigs in Las Vegas and she hated them. So she rebelled like by not giving it her all on stage, like. Okay, so then she also says that she had to do, like, a ton of doctor appointments a week, like 12. Um, she wasn't allowed to get her IUD removed with her boyfriend, who is now her ex-husband, because she really wanted a baby. Um, the tour was set to uh, end, like, at the end of 2017. Um, she was really excited about that. But then, like, eventually, I'll just say, like, because she said no to a dance move, Um <laughs> they like extended the tour without her wanting to do it and then they were like trying to plan it for like that next summer and um she like said no to a dance move and so they were like okay like you need to go to rehab or get like evaluated for this it was a mental health facility that was sixty thousand dollars a month and every time she like wanted to challenge this conservatorship be like i don't want to do this like her everyone around her would be like well if you go to court it's embarrassing for you and so it just was really sad. So what she says about this time is that like she couldn't like she had to give blood weekly, couldn't take a bath in private, um, couldn't shut the door to her room. Uh, she would have to be up every morning at eight and had like endless meetings every day. Um, she had to like for several hours a day sit in a chair receiving mandatory therapy. Um, she spent the time in between uh, meetings staring out the window watching people like come and go and just being really like sad that she couldn't leave so when she was in the hospital she said for years i'd been on prozac but in the hospital they abruptly took me off it and put me on lithium um a dangerous drug that i didn't want or need and it makes you really slow and lethargic um she felt a concept of like time morph and grew disoriented she's like on lithium i didn't even know who i was or like where I was sometimes. She also says that she would text her sister and be like, like, help me. And Jamie Lynn be like, stop fat in it. There's nothing you can do about it. So stop fat in it. <sighs> but yeah. So she's like, I thought my family was going like trying to kill me. Like no one was helping her. Um, and she like couldn't really have friends or anything. Like, okay, so when she was again, like, I think when she was in this facility, a nurse who was friends with her, I guess. It's kind of funny. But the nurse was like, hey, look at this. And she's like, I peered at her computer and tried to make sense of what I was seeing. It was women on a talk show talking about me and the conservatorship. One was wearing a hashtag free Britney t-shirt. So on the night of June 22nd, 2021, from my home in California, I called 911 to report my father for conservatorship abuse. The time between when I started pushing hard to end the conservatorship and when it finally ended was a rough period in limbo. I didn't know how things would turn out. Um... She says that, like, she couldn't say no to her dad or make her own way yet, but, like, it felt like every other day there was a documentary about her, like, on yet another streaming service. Um, 
And then she's like, I learned my sister would be coming out with a book and I was still under my father's control and I wanted to explode. Um, and yeah, and she's like, it was hard because there's so much like guessing about what she might have thought or been feeling during that time. Okay. Another thing I wrote down is that like after she got released from that facility, um, her family came and visited her. And Jamie Lynn was like, I guess she lives in Louisiana with all of them, but Jamie Lynn was like doing like meetings with the dad at different like studios. And like Jamie Lynn would come back home to Brittany and be like, we should do a, a sister talk show. What's up, boys? Like things like that. Like she just wanted to like such leeches off of Brittany. Um, she also talks about uh, how her son, Sean Preston, um, got into a fight with um, Brittany's dad. And I guess he like shook him. So then um, Kevin filed like a police report and like a restraining order. Um, she says that the first step to end the conservatorship was to connect with people on social media. And um, like she was like, this is weird. Okay, I feel bad. I feel bad for like how I've been. Oh, people are kind of mean about what she does on um, Instagram. But she says that she got her confidence back because she was like modeling clothes on Instagram. And she's like dancing and stuff. And she's like, I started to like how I looked again. I love playing dress up on Instagram. This like kind of broke my heart. She says, I know that a lot of people don't understand why I love taking pictures of myself naked or in new dresses, like on Instagram. But I think if they'd been pho photographed by other people thousands of times, um, prodded and posed for other people's approval, they'd understand that I get a lot of joy from posing the way I feel sexy and taking my own picture, doing whatever I want with it. I was born into this world naked, and I honestly feel like the weight of the world has been on my shoulders. I wanted to see myself lighter and freer. As a baby, I had my whole life in front of me, and that's how I feel now, like a blank slate. I really do feel reborn um, singing as I walk around at home, just like as I did as a little girl. I enjoy that feeling of the sound leaving my body and bouncing back at me. Um, I'm finding the joy, again, of why I wanted to sing to begin with, and that feeling is sacred for me. Um, I keep getting asked when I'm going to put on shows again. I confess that I'm struggling with that question. I'm enjoying dancing and singing the way I used to when I was younger and not trying to do it for my family's benefit, not trying to get something, but doing it for me and for my genuine love of it. It's like, it just makes me feel bad. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel bad for her. Um, And that's kind of, that's the last, like, page I took a picture of, I believe. So I just have my notes left. Um, So we're almost done. <laughs> okay. So she also said, like, Instagram was, like, she followed comedians. And, like, it just made her happy. Like, she followed, like, Kevin Hart and, like, Amy Schumer and, like, it just social media, I just feel really bad because, like, people have been so mean about it to her. And, like, she does post really bizarre, uh, like, photos and videos. But, like, they make her happy. And it's, like, okay. So she says, um, like, when COVID hit, she was on the beach. And, like, she said, like, I took off my mask for a second. And I was grounded for weeks by my dad. Um, she's, like, I visited Louisiana during that time. And, like, she said that her family had thrown away, like, her collection of Madame Alexander dolls and, like, her poetry. And so that's when she felt like, I just never want to see these people again. So she was able to be addressed in court. And I remember listening to her, um, I don't know, testimony or, like, her statement. Um, and she sounded really normal, really, like, smart like and it just really I felt like everyone was so like wow this is insane like she's coherent she has really been abused this entire time um and yeah she did get a new lawyer not the court appointed one and on September 26 2021 um her dad was suspended as conservator um another thing I wrote down is that she says that Jamie Lynn didn't seem to get a lot of parenting and she kind of just says like Jamie Lynn's kind of like a spoiled brat and like I don't know I just I really don't like her um anyway that was the book um sorry for my rambling and kind of everything being out of sequence but um I thought it was really good it made me like understand her point of view like a lot better because a lot of people were guessing there were so many conspiracy theories about like different albums she did or people think she's like been cloned and stuff but like I think she's just like a normal person who she was failed by the people around her she was a child star and I feel like rarely do child stars ever have like completely normal and like well-adjusted life and like also all your mistakes or all of her mistakes were like people were taking pictures and videos of it 
And like, she just was going through a really hard time after she had kids. She had two kids, like within two years, her husband was like a loser. She dated Justin Timberlake for a while. And like the, all that happened, like she just was failed by like everyone who was supposed to support her in her life. And um, I'm glad she is free. It's sad now because she is divorced from her husband who like she dated for like five years and wasn't allowed to have a baby with her, get married to um, during the conservatorship. Once she got out, she did have that wedding. And again, people were like, this is a really bizarre wedding. Like no one's like allowed to talk about it. Like it seems weird. Like she, she invited like a ton of these famous people like Selena Gomez, like she didn't really know. But um, I think that, like, it, I would love to see her in concert, but I think, like, she's just kind of done. And I wonder if she'll ever perform again or, like, I don't know what she'll do. And I don't think she has a great relationship with her boys now. They live in Hawaii. I don't think she has to pay child support much longer for her last child. Um, I think he'll turn 18 soon. So, like, I don't know. It makes me wonder who she has in her life. I know she's, like, good friends with her agent and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was a really good book. Um, I think people should read it, but if you don't, hopefully, um, you can listen to this episode and learn more about it or just go on like TikTok or something, but thank you all for listening. Um, follow us on TikTok at evening the Ops pod, and we will see you next.